we are amplifying stories of women who feel like maybe their stories are not being heard or they feel like their voices are just not loud enough. Um, and then have that beautifully expressed in art and be able to purchase an art piece that looks like their mum or looks like their partner. Like there's something very, very powerful about that. <laughs> Welcome back to Cool Hand Crypto, where cinema, culture, and crypto collide. My name is Matt Silverman, and please remember to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast app. Today's guest is a prolific artist using her talents in the tools of Web3 to make a real-world impact with the multi-collection NFT project, The Power of Women. Leah Ibrahim-Sams, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Matt. So good to be here. <laughs> Let's start with uh, pre-Web3. Um, you were a, uh, what was it, a set designer or a costume designer? Yeah, I mean, I pretty much did anything that sort of came my way. I think that's, I was like the jack of all trades to do with theater. Anything that came my way, I said yes. So I was, I've been set designing, costume designing, I was assisting, I was doing scenic painting, I made props, I, I made costumes, I did video, <laughs> anything that sort of came my way, I just basically said yes. <laughs> um, and I did that for a good, pretty much until sort of the pandemic hit and everything and lockdown happened. And, you know, all of my friends, um, I lost all my work overnight. I think we were all on the same boat and we were just trying to find a way to stay creative. And I think that's sort of where my sort of journey into illustration happened. But yeah, it's 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 a bit it's a bit crazy going from theater to Web3. Well, you're an incredible illustrator. Have you done prior to Web3, have you done any other illustration work? Well, um, not not really. I think so a lot of the illustration that I was doing were basically facilitated or was part of a process to realize sort of the theater side of, you know, the, the theater aspect. So it was like, you know, a lot of costume designs, a lot of like drawings for, for you know, for, for set designs. And it's just, it was part of a process and it never actually got seen by anyone outside of the creative team. So it just didn't feel like, um, you know, it, it felt like an audience was seeing only a side to what I was doing creatively. So it's been very interesting to be part of a process now where, you know, everything is me, you know, everything that you see is, is my work. Whereas, you know, the work that I was doing before, it was, um, it was just, I was always felt like I was facilitating someone else's creative dream. So it never felt like I had any sense of identity in my creative process. So this has been such an exciting sort of um, time for me. I think not just my identity as an illustrator, but also where I wanna fit in within the world. I think um, it's been quite a powerful moment for me. Well, speaking of powerful, let's talk the power of women. So the power of women is multiple collections, correct? And if you could sort of break down the uh, hierarchy of the entire brand and and sort of what each you don't have to go into every collection yeah um, but sort of what generally the collections are doing yeah of course well i mean i think the, the the title sort of power of women came to be when i was um illustrating so i was doing an illustration a day just to keep sane 
Um, and, uh, it, and one of my illustrations had power of as like a mural in the background. It was sort of a Shoreditchy vibe. Um, if anyone doesn't know Shoreditch, it's like the cool end of London. <laughs> um, and I thought, wouldn't it be cool if it said woman on her jumper? Hence why power of women was sort of born. Um, and before I went into Web3, I sort of called my shop on Etsy Power of Women. I called myself Power of Women and I thought that's such a great name to call myself. And then when we went into Web3, my husband and I, we didn't know what we were doing. He is the other half of Power of Women. And um, it was actually through he, his colleagues, his um, firefighter colleagues, that we actually got introduced into Web3. And so, you know, the journey of Power of Women has been an organic journey there. You know, we have tried to be intentional as much as possible, but it has never been, we are, you know, it, it, it has been an organic experience, unlike how some people have probably come in, projects who have established, you know, tried to see what was around, establish a project um, and have sort of run with it. What I have done is I've gone, okay, I'm an illustrator, I've called myself Power of Women. We came into the space when the likes of Boss Beauties, World of Women, Women Rise were sort of launching and everyone said, well, you're the next big collection, right? And we were like, no, I'm a one-to-one -one artist. <laughs> um, and everyone kept on going, but you're a project, right? And we're like, okay, we're a project. <laughs> and so we started behaving like a project. We started going, well, you know, the beauty of projects is that, you know, I think everyone came together co collectively to mint, you know, on a certain day. And so we started releasing our artworks in drops and that just made people feel like they were part of a family doing something together. And I think that's the beauty of Web3, isn't it? The sense of community and camaraderie that comes together in support of an artist or in support of a project. And I think that's what we were able to do. And so I think what happened was that Power of Women became this sort of hybrid where we could behave like a one-to-one -one artist, but we could also behave like a project and we could take awesome aspects of both. And where we've seen trends of, um, you know, projects rise and fall and trends of one-to-one -one artists rise and fall, we've been able to sort of be very, you know, agile and navigate, navigate our way through all of that. And so, you know, we launched the League of Extraordinary Women, which was all the artworks I did during lockdown. That sold in three hours. I don't know how that happened, but we didn't understand Amazing. at that point what Web3 was all about. And it was until after that collection that we suddenly realized, oh, you know, Web3, the beauty of this space is the community. And so, you know, we did a couple of auctions, we did a couple of one-to-one -one artworks on foundation, but what we finally realized was that if we are going to behave like a, like a project, we have to harness this sense of community. So the thing that really sort of brought Power of Women sort of on its meteoric rise was when we started the Women of the Metaverse collection. And that really for us was a turning point because, and this is my husband's Jack idea, but it was, well, you know, we are, so there's so little women in the space. We keep call, being called bros. <laughs> um, and there are a lot of mothers in the space as well, but they have never had an opportunity to talk about motherhood. And so, you know, you see all these Twitter bios with NFT mum, mum of four, and they are able to be in Web3 because it's so flexible, but I've not had any conversation about motherhood at all. So we decided to throw out some questions on Twitter. 
host a couple of Twitter spaces and the response was phenomenal, like phenomenal talking about, and there was no topic that we didn't touch, you know, from miscarriages to, you know, losing your sense of identity to finding out that you were um, dyslexic because the cries of your own children were like grating on you. There was just no topic untouched. It was a beautiful, beautiful moment. And then I created the artwork inspired by those stories and then dropped them. And, you know, and it would, and, and that motherhood series sold out in, oh God, it was just one or two seconds. It was unbelievable. But I think that was the moment where we truly understand, understood who we are in this space. You know, we are a project that is actually a platform. We are amplifying stories of women who feel like maybe their stories are not being heard or they feel like their voices are just not loud enough um, and then have that beautifully expressed in art and be able to purchase an art piece that looks like their mum or looks like their partner. Like there's something very, very powerful about that. Oh, absolutely. In fact, can you talk a little bit more about the sort of real world impact you feel your project is having. So there's there's the digital aspect, the amplification of voices and the artwork, but you've also, um, I believe, done projects that have had actual reach into the real world. Yeah, so <laughs> a few different things that I've done. So I have um, worked with um, the COVA project. So the COVA project basically um, drawing on a lot of incredible artists. These artists create artworks and the sort of mint and the royalties all go back to a charity. And during a time when donations were seeing such a massive hit, you know, because of the pandemic and everyone just didn't have the, you know, the extra income to be donating. Um, you know, this was such a big turning point. And the COVA project um, is looking to raise money for um, sanitary products um, for girls and women in um, Australia and Africa. So, you know, that's been quite exciting. Um, there has been a lot of, um, so a lot of my drops, um, you know, uh, this last year, I guess, since I've entered the space because of COVA Project and Gina, who is the founder behind COVA Project and the Honey Badges um, NFT project, um, because of her great work and how much I'm so inspired by sort of her philanthropic mind, um, a lot of the drops for my collections have also had a philanthropic aspect. So um, it started off with, so um, the Veiled Ladies, which happened a little bit after the League of Extraordinary Women, 25% um, of the initial mint went to Makna, which is a... Um, a cancer charity back in my home country in Malaysia. Uh, my mum works quite a lot with MACNA, um, basically trying to support families who, you know, who have lost their jobs or they have struggled financially because of having cancer or ha someone having cancer in the family. Um, so that was really incredible. And then to sort of build on that, Women of the Metaverse, we basically decided to do drops of 10. So the first one was motherhood, we had cultural identity, we have um, pride, we have, um, and, and I think it will continue after my the launch of Blazing Women, but um, each drop, basically we've decided to give 5% away to a corresponding charity. So with motherhood, we gave 
to a postpartum um, uh, nonprofit um, for cultural identity. We gave to an indigenous uh, charity. So it's all um, we're trying to just keep everything sort of in line. And then also if that charity was sort of willing and wanting, they can come and be and we can amplify in the same way it, during the same time that we're collecting these stories as well. So it becomes that whole process for women of the metaverse became a you know a way for us to amplify people in Web3, but also, you know, with the following that we have amassed, be able to amplify these charities as well. So We've had some great conversations with um, with with um, with the charities that we've associated with. Um, so it's we. I think we've been really lucky. The way that I see it is like if I'm earning enough now, more so than I have in theatre, like why not give a little bit away? <laughs> I love that the art is based on the the raw source of a lot of the art is actual stories. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about storytelling and how that plays into your art and the the role of of telling a story through your art yeah well so i think that moment when we were on that twi twitter space i mean i mean just to give you an idea i had never hosted a twitter space before and there were about 200 people there and it was overwhelming and the openness of everyone trying to tell their story you know so and be really vulnerable we felt a massive responsibility um and I felt a huge, huge responsibi responsibility to do it accurately. And I felt so, it felt really heavy on my shoulders because I'm not a mum and you don't want to misrepresent anyone. And when we, at that time, we diversity was such a hot topic because the space wasn't diverse enough. And we were calling for change. A lot of women, a lot of non-binary people, a lot of people who've felt like they've never had a seat at the table so early on within such a technological revolution. We were calling for change and it felt like, well, if we are here to amplify voices, then we cannot misrepresent anyone. Um, and so Power of Women just became this, I don't know, there, there's a heavy responsibility for me, you know, um, on our journey sort of into Web3 that we are always trying to do our best to amplify and to storytell. So a lot of the ways that we do it is, you know, we collect all these stories, we see what stories align. We are never picking one story. So we're never replic, you know, we never feel like this is a story about this particular person. It's never about that. It's about going, well, what's the collective story that we are seeing as a community? Um, my husband is an incredible wordsmith. So he is the one that articulates everything beautifully. So I sort of both together, we look at the stories that we've collected. We've um, basically, you know, pick out, you know, stories that we think would make good pieces of art. Um, we decide what, you know, what that what those stories might look like. Um, and he basically using the words that have actually been said or been typed in a tweet or in a DM, he basically shifts them around, plays around with it and creates these beautiful stories. And so it just feels like we don't want anyone to feel like we are misusing their words, but feel like they are a part of the story that we tell. Um, and then I create the artwork that corresponds to all of it. Um, and it is tricky because there are really tough topics and you want 
it to look beautiful at the end of the day because it is an art piece. So it's very difficult to straddle. And so, you know, um, we reached a point when we hit Pride where I wanted to go um, towards Blazing Women. We have been working on Blazing Women for a long, long time. It was sort of on the early days of Women of the Metaverse that we thought, you know, we were seeing so many um, we were seeing so many generative PFP collections. Um, but I didn't feel like, you know, I didn't feel like it truly represented womanhood. Um, you know, we were starting to see sort of motherhood traits come in. We were starting to see sort of queer projects rise. We were starting to see diversity and representation, but it just felt like, there were so many different projects that did ever I, I just didn't feel like there was anything that collected all of these stories together. Um, at that point, I was doing the Royals. I mean, the Royals was the first sort of Ghanaian, so all black, you know, generative collection that sort of highlighted Ghanaian culture and people. And that was very beautiful. And it was so important because at that point, I hadn't seen an all black PFP collection that authentically represented real people, right? Um, and for the founder, Hans, it was important because, you know, as a person who never felt like he was truly represented in media, to come into a space and buy a PFP of an, of an ape or a lion just didn't feel like it represented him as a person. So, you know, when I finished the Royals, I thought, this is great, right? This took representation to a next level, but like, how could we take it the next step? And so, you know, the idea as an artist for me was that we have seen such a, you know, I think it's so easy to get away from the fact that provenance and blockchain, like that is incredible stuff. Like if you talk to anyone outside in the real art world to talk about the provenance as something being public is incredible. But what if your storytelling could be part of that blockchain? that was for me the next step in terms of representation, right? It's like, you know, what if you as a woman, or if you wanted to have a piece of art of your daughter, that their story or your mother's story or your partner's story or your story, you know, you are able to impact your own artwork so that your artwork better represents you as a person. That was for me something really powerful. And that for me was, how we are creating Blazing Women. So Blazing Women, we've launched. We are creating the sort of evolution in the first quarter of next year. So the idea is that if you own a Blazing Woman and if you own a Power Pass, which is one of our sort of tokens that invites everyone to see backstage to Power of Women, so fully doxed, <laughs> um, it just basically, it's the idea that you can impact your own artwork. You you know, everyone is using these artworks as PFPs, but how representative are these PFPs of yourself? So if you are a mum, like, wouldn't it be amazing if you hit the evolve button and, or the motherhood evolve button and your PFP became a mum? Or if you were queer and you pressed the queer evolve button and you know your piece came out do you know what I mean or you know or disability or you know body shape change or do you know what there's so many different potentials but it's about having ownership not just over the artwork but over the storytelling of that artwork so 
this is what we are trying to do and this is what we've been working on for some time now. <laughs> so with Blazing Women, what is the process exactly? Are you creating a list of traits that people can um, sort of click their avatar essentially and evolve the avatar? Is that sort of how it works? Yeah, so basically um, uh, the first stage, which is this stage, is pretty much a standard generative, what you would call a generative PFP collection. So we have um, everything has a list of traits. Um, each trait though has a potential five different evolution journeys. Um, you basically, when we are ready, hopefully next year, early next year, when you click evolve, you there there is um, two options. You can know what, what the five different journeys are and click that evolve button, or you could randomly choose. So, you know, if for example, one of those journeys resonate with you and you really want to to have a piece of artwork or your artwork evolve in that direction, then you can hit evolve, you know, and it would go into that direction. If you want to randomly evolve in the same way that you mint and not know what artwork you're gonna have, that's also going to be a possibility. So it's about, um, we're trying to keep the fun that you have with mint where you don't know what you're gonna get and there's something beautiful about that. But also we want people to have the opportunity to have power over their own story so you know having that choice is so important as well so that's going to be something that happens then so I have done something like 271 traits um, for 2,500 wow. uh, blazing women each of those traits will be able to have five different directions so you can imagine how many traits we're looking at <laughs> it's going to be time consuming but I think it's a beautiful and Jack will hate me for saying this but it's a beautiful experiment it is an experiment. I want to see if this can better represent us as women, you know? This is sort of a selfish question because we, uh, my project's the Sherwood Project, and we also have an NFT that is, tr that transforms. It's, a, it's, it's one NFT and it turns into something else. So what is the sort of technical process, as much as you can, uh, with an evolving NFT? So is it one NFT and then it gets burned and it turns into a new NFT? or is it multiple NFTs or how, how does that all work? Yeah, so it's been very interesting actually because um, the, so the Power Pass token that I've sort of launched early on is um, a invitation for the core Power of Women family to be involved in everything. They see everything. We talk about budgets, we talk about how much we spend, we talk about everything. And also what it is, is they are our focus group. So we ask them what they want to see. And for us, it's been a key part of our process staying relevant in this space because it shifts constantly, right? And it's so hard to know what people actually want or what collectors actually want when you're so focused on your own path. So for a long time, what we wanted to do was have an NFT that that, that did change. So a process of potentially burning, to create something new for it to be permanently changed. But a lot of the community that we have spoken to actually said, well, we're not gonna hit evolve because we don't wanna lose the original. Um, and so um, we are gonna collect um, a lot more feedback, but the consensus at the moment from our community is that we will have our Blazing Women collection and we will have the Blazing Women Evolved collection. So for every Blazing Woman, once you hit Evolve, you have a corresponding um, NFT that is Evolved. Um, you can only Evolve it once, 
So that's so once um, so whether you buy that on primary, whether you mint that on primary or whether you buy that on secondary, if it's evolved, there is no chance for you to evolve it again. Um, so there will only ever be 2,500 blazing evolved pieces. But that that has been the consensus. And when we have offered that to the community, they said that they would evolve all of the artworks, which is what we want. So um, so we're led by the community. <laughs> yeah. So I, I want to talk about that a little yeah. bit. Can you go into sort of what you how you keep your community engaged and how do you balance um, keeping in touch with your community with creating all of this art and, and being the head of this project. Yeah, it's <laughs> like spinning templates all at the same time. Um, I'm not gonna lie, it is it is um, full on and it is tough. Um, you know, you know, Jack and I have been releasing one-to-one artworks. We are like any other one-to-one artist who is sort of finding their way into the space. We we don't have the the funding of a mint during the bull market you know we are not you know uh, we don't have a massive team it's just me and my husband who works part-time um and we are running everything um but the way that we are doing it is that um we have uh and this has been um through a lot of help from our advisors so gina who i mentioned who is part of um honey badges and the cover project um but we have curated clubs so we've got art club and art club is basically, I can teach them art classes or I can teach them, or I could do a live trait drawing. And essentially that is just access for them to see my process as an artist. Um, and then we have coffee club and these this happens sort of bi-weekly. So people get to see what we do from week to week. And so they can see behind the scenes, they can see all the tough sides. So we talk about how it's a struggle to find an accountant in the UK <laughs> who deals with crypto. We deal with, you know, everything from setting ourselves up as a business to, you know, trying to curate all of our these stories, trying to figure out everything. Um, we've got Access All Areas Club, which is how we sort of, we give masterclasses and what we know. So I talk about how to create artwork for a generative project. Jack, who's incredible with budgets, talk about how he budgets everything. Um, and we share all of these resources. We also have Wildcard Wednesdays, which is a bit of a crazy free for all. You don't know what's gonna happen until the day of. Um, that's just a bit of fun. Um, and um, and yeah, and basically all those clubs, if those live events don't happen during your time zone, we record everything and put it onto our power portal, which is where and if you have a power pass, you have access to the power portal. So you have access to basically our journey creating Blazing Women. Um, and for us, you know, it, we are giving, you know, power pass is access to us as founders and as, as an artist, but it keeps people engaged. It means that we are inviting people and it makes people feel like they're part of our journey. So we've been able to organically just keep people excited about blazing women because they feel like they are in the scoop you know they get to see everything behind the scenes and whatever they see they can learn from um and it just feels like it's part of that beautiful vibe right at the beginning of web3 when we were all listening to twitter spaces we were all sharing information but this is our way of doing it that helps us you know build our community but also for the community to learn from us um 
The Power Pass uh, holders are also able to be part of the Power Squad and the Power Squad are our focus groups. So, you know, we hold meetings when I want to find out more about what the community wants. Um, they are super helpful. I talk, you know, I ask them, you know, what's, what do they want in terms of rarity? What do they want in terms of this and where, you know, Jack and I could spend hours and hours debating what the community wants. It's so easy. I just type on a channel on Discord. Hey gang, what do you want to find? You know, what do you want in terms of rarity? And then everyone chips in when they want to, and it's brilliant. And it helps us stay, you know, relevant to the community and if that if you serve that small community you're serving the whole community so it's it's really it's a really win-win for everyone so um it is full-on like having to video edit and <laughs> hold these clubs and be the awkward person that I am on disco live while I'm drawing <laughs> or whatever but it you know it is an invitation to get people involved and that's what community is all about right it's getting involved it's knowing that maybe that what you said and that suggestion that you mentioned gets used and utilized as part of the project's sort of roadmap. Like that's just brilliant. And that's what Web3 is all about, right? Is Discord the main hub of your community? I mean, it is Twitter and Discord. Um, we are also, so the Power Portal is hosted by NAS.io, so NAS.io. Um, they have been really incredible to sort of, I guess it's, the pool of where our resources are. And th this is the space where, you know, for example, a lot of my events happen on the UK time. So US-based people can access, um, you know, my events whenever they like. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's Discord and I think it's Twitter. You know, Discord is not perfect. Twitter is definitely not perfect, but, you know, it is where we have been functioning for a long time. And, you know, we have created beautiful relationships here. So um, we're pretty happy and grateful. What is NAS? I don't, I don't know NAS.io. Ah, Can you NAS, talk a little bit about yeah, that? So NAS um, are a, they're not necessarily a web three. So that um, I think one of the sort of more sort of um, well-known branches of what they do is NAS Academy. NAS Academy is a, uh, course so you can um, buy or you can pay for joining a course there's some courses run by Zeneca courses run by Curious Addies um, and basically they provide like um, courses over a period of time and you learn together and you're part of the process of like um, learning as part of a community so a course get released every week and so you can join that and sort of learn with a cohort together um, NAS.io is for them basically a layer above Discord. So where Discord, you are losing a lot of your key information because announcements or channels or chat channels just disappear. You know, it it scrolls, doesn't it? Um, the portal NAS.io, our power portal or NAS portal is a way for us to curate all the in important information. So we have our clubs, all of their, um, so you can pick coffee club or art club and you can see all the episodes, it's all curated. We be, there is a space where you could um, provide loads of links in different folders. So we have a folder with all our important Twitter threads or I will put a link to your podcast on my podcast folder in the Power Portal. So essentially it's where, you know, if anyone wants to have access to power of women resources or they want access to our you know 
podcasts, media, articles that are written. It's just a way to curate all of that all in one space. So it's really, really easy to access. We need something like that. So that sounds that sounds great. Is the power of women activism, would you say? Or is it more of a celebration? How would you describe it? I don't know. I don't know. Um, And maybe I should. But for a long time, you know, I think so this is the thing in in theater I was working minimum wage um and I've spent a majority of my life working minimum wage to fight for anything more than just a living was you know not on my radar at all do you know what I mean so I could never call myself an activism or, or an activist while I was in theater now it's the artwork that I create and it was really important during lockdown for me to create artwork of diverse women because my mum is Malaysian she is you know she I've inherited her wide nose it was really important that we see my mum my nose represented in artwork because for so long I couldn't see my mum in you know tv shows and movies and adverts and it's really important like it's within my lifetime that I started seeing people of my mum's colour of you know more diverse ethnicities represented so you know it was just something that I did Um, and when I was selling on Etsy and not selling very well it didn't feel like activism I was just creating art But within the spectrum of Web3, when suddenly, you know, we were seeing, you know, League of Extraordinary Women, I think was so unique because it was so diverse. And that shouldn't be a (laughs) unique thing about it. It should just be normal. But it wasn't at that time because a lot of artists were male. There was a lot of male gaze within sort of artworks that were available and women were entering the space and going, well, where's the representation here, right? (laughs) So, you know, it because of the spectrum of Web3, I would say that Power of Women is now, we, we, I guess we are activists, but really, you know, I've always said Power of Women is going to be here until we don't, we're not needed, you know? Like until we have true equity and equality, like I'm going to be here shouting about it. There's been people who've asked me, like, are you really helping women? You know, should you really be calling calling yourself power of women? Is that true equality or is that true equity? I'm like, I'm here. (laughs) I'm here until, you know, until every woman is able to afford a sanitary product, not having to choose between sanitary products and an education. I'm going to be still here shouting about it um, and I'm going to be loud. If that's activism, then I am an activist. Um, But, you know, for me, it's just about going, saying what should be normal. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? So um, I, yeah, I I don't know. I would say, you know, I just wish for a world where we didn't need activism, but um, I am going to shout about everything that we can shout about if we have the voice to do it. Why do you think Web3 is the best place to do it? And have you found, I know with us, We've certainly, you know, NFT was sort of a buzzword and then it kind of became a dirty word. And then now it seems to be coming back a little bit to, you know, it's important to focus on projects like yours that have real meaning. Doxed founder is having a real world impact, you know, important projects. 
Um, but it's, it's, as you said, it changes every day, it changes month to month. So what is sort of your perspective of Web3 and, and why is it the best place to do your project? I, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't know whether I could say that I did anything intentionally at the beginning. I think I fell at the right time because of the League of Extraordinary Women being so diverse and it happened and it launched during a time where we weren't seeing any diverse women represented. Um, what My motherhood collection must be one of the first that really truly represented mothers in the space because I hadn't seen one previous to that. You know, at that moment during the bull market, I think we were powerful because we fell at the right space at the right time. We were saying things, we were shouting about things, we were having, we were given this platform because our community was rallying around us. And I think it's really important that we are able to make great change because Web3 has been one of those opportunities where no matter how prof prolific an artist or a founder is, they still have that connection with their community. I am the person in the Discord messaging everyone. <laughs> it doesn't feel, you know, what, regardless of my follower count, um, you know, whether I had 1,000 or whether I had 40,000, I'm that person interacting with everyone. If everyone had a criticism, if everyone had feedback, I'm the person that either went thank you or that's very interesting, let me think about it, let me get back to you. And there's a beauty in that connection that we have never seen anywhere else. And I think that's the power of Web3. It's the idea that a community can rally around you, but it's also access, isn't it? It's access to the people who are making the decisions for them to see the people that they are serving every day um, and making sure that what they're doing is truly serving that community. I think that's the power of Web3 and that's why what I have been shouting about quite early on was so important. Has it changed? Absolutely, right? We've seen a recession, we've seen bull market turn to bear market, you know, where we were shouting about diversity, we were shouting about, you know, representation. Has that gone quiet? Yes, because people, you know, Web3 is this new revolution, but at the same time, real world problems means that we have to focus on surviving this recession in whatever form that is. Maybe a lot of people don't have as much time as they used to do in Web3. Yes. Do Are people investing less? Yes. Are people um, a bit more precious about their time and their money? Yes. So are we talking less about, you know, um, issues, you know, that we were shouting about in the bull market? I think so. But, you know, the connection with anyone who has stayed has been, you know, has also also shifted where I've been chatting to so many people. I'm now chatting to a smaller community, but that relationship is still there. The access between a community and an artist is still there. There is a beautiful relationship there. And if you, as a founder or as an artist, can harness that relationship in whatever form that is, then you've got some the makings of something really powerful there. So I think that relationship changes. The What you say can change over time, for sure. Um, you know, for me, it's not just about diversity and representation. I love drawing fashion. That's a huge part of where we are at the moment. 
So um, that's also really, really important too. Do you think you can be a creator anymore without being doxxed, without being public, without doing podcasts, public facing, and becoming sort of a influencer by default, not because you necessarily want to, but because you have to. Is it possible to be a creator anymore without doing all of that? Oh, it's a very interesting question, isn't it? Um, you know, I think there are a lot of incredible collectors that I've seen who are not doxxed, um, who I have amazing relationships with um, and who are, you know, so authentic and so reliable. Um, have I seen an artist who is undoxed who've done that? Sort of not within my circle of, you know, um, friends or community. Um, I think it's very interesting. I feel like there's two parts of that question there. Can you be undoxed and be a creator? I don't know. I honestly don't know. In a space where we have seen so many rug pulls, so many scams, um, and we are in a space that is not just hitting a downturn on the market in, in crypto, but also in a global recession. I think like I think people are just tired in investing in people that are not authentic. Um, also, I think AI plays a huge part in that sort of mix. There is a really difficult answer to, 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 to unravel there. Um, and then on the other side, you were talking about the influencer side. Now, this is the part that I sort of um, love and hate, right? Um, Power of Women has amassed a 40,000 following, which I have no idea how we've done it. Um, apart from just turning up every day, I don't know how we have done it. Um, but, you know, are we now an influencer? I think we are influencing people certainly Jack and I feel a responsibility every day when someone with, you know, a hundred followers asks us a difficult question. I feel a responsibility to give that just as much a response to anyone else. Um, and the reason I think that we have amassed such a big following is because we, we have taken the time to respond to everyone as much as we can, every DM, as much as we can, every comment, every tweet. So, um, but then there are a lot of influencers in the space that I think have a toxic impact within the space. Um, some collectors, some artists, um, you know, and I think that's such a shame because I think we don't realize that while Web3 is meant to be decentralized, we are working on a platform that is Web2 and we are fighting algorithms and we are fighting this influencer paradigm. And like it or not, the influencer sort of paradigm is what is driving social media, right? So it, I just don't think there's any way of us getting away from that. Um, we need a certain sense of algorithms, I guess, to amass a community so that, you know, the community, you know, you can't just see everything that you, all your followers and everything that they tweet there has got to be some sort of curation there. And curation is so important in Web3. But, you know, there is a toxicity of social media, I think, that is impacting our industry at the moment. And there is no getting away from that. How we solve that, I have no idea. <laughs> um, but I think, I think the best thing to do is um, find your tribe know the artists who are uplifting other pro you know other artists seeing projects that are actually doing 
a massive difference, whether that is socially, you know, whether it's just behaving correctly in the space or whether it's actually having a social impact. I think it's about trying to do the best you can, but it's really difficult because, you know, I mean, I don't know about you, but like, you know, I get the social media blues, you know, where you're feeling massive FOMO, where you feel like you're uncertain. Like I feel like an awkward fish most of the time. (laughs) Yeah, Likewise. Yeah. It's, but it's, it's vital. Yeah. How did you find out Sia was in your tribe? (laughs) Well, that was, that was so funny because she had bought a couple of my artworks before she revealed that she was Sia. And she was, I think she was Medici. Oh God, I can't remember now. Is it Medici69 is her Twitter handle? Uh, anyway, you can find her Twitter handle quite easily now. Um, but before she outed herself as Sia, she bought a couple of my artworks. And then when she outed herself, it was when we were looking at the collection. And sometimes we look at it just to see if there's any scam sort of collections. Uh, and we suddenly realized who it was that had collected my artwork. Now I've, I've DM'd her a couple of times when we were... <laughs> launching the power pass and we were launching blazing women but haven't heard a response but i'm still uh really chuffed that she would think she's busy she's she busy. busy she'll get back to, you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to think that she cared amazing. enough to to buy on secondary is pretty amazing though you know with this show i'm always trying to onboard people who don't really know what an nft is and don't really know what web3 is so before we end here um can you sort of give us your call to action for blazing women, but in a way for people who haven't bought an NFT before or don't know what Discord is, you know, how do they get involved and and why should they get involved with blazing women? I'm not going to tell you that you need to buy a blazing women. I think you need to buy artworks that are important to you because in a space where we don't understand, you know, um, you know, if you're here to invest, this is a very, uh, very, very, very volatile place to invest. You know, for me, my my yeah. my advice every time is buy something that you love, regardless of whether crypto crashes or it thrives. You you know that you've got a piece of artwork that really resonates with you. The Blazing Woman for me, you know, is a passion project to see if we can get the community, you know, a group of people or to get a collector, be able to, and this is really big in the art world. And I think we really brush over this, but to have your ownership documented on a public ledger, like the blockchain is just such an amazing sort of leap within the sort of art world, right? But not only that, but to have your story or, you know, you be part of the storytelling of your own art piece, regardless of whether you own it in a year, in five years, in 10 years, but for your your part in that artwork story be forever documented on that public ledger. That's There's something powerful about that. And that's something that we want to, we, we want to be part of. The you know power of women is always about how can we use technology to facilitate art, right? right you know, we have seen a beautiful renaissance of digital artists and art artists in the space. Um, and regardless of whatever project you go down, if it's a business project, if it's a, you know, whatever it is, art is the face of that project, right? And it will always be. So this is the first time that art is the face of a technological revolution. So, you know, we are always trying to find new ways where technology can actually serve art rather than just art being the face of that technology. So 
you know, um, if that excites you, then um, please check us out. You can, if you are new to Web3, um, our email it, or our website is uh, powerofwomen.io. Or you can check us out on Twitter. We are at Power of Women NFT. Um, and you can find literally all the information there. If you decide to mint a Power Pass, which is also live, the Power Pass is an invitation for you to see behind the scenes. It's 0.03 ETH, which is very affordable. It's like, it's less than $50. Um, and it gives you access to everything. We teach everything. It's a good way to con or consume Web3 information from an artist's perspective. Um, and I think if you are not um, a crypto nerd <laughs> um, and you are more aesthetically sort of orientated, this can be an easy way for, for you to sort of like learn what, you know, NFTs for an artist is all about primarily because, you know, we are and loudly and proudly are an artist founded project. So, yeah, I mean. Check us out if you want to. <laughs> well, Leah, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so good to chat.